This is a bubble first. He's Montana. I'm Mike. And this is the first time in the bubble's history, nearing 20.5 episodes. Nearing. Nearing. Uh, that we collaborated on a print story. And we now did. we're going to collaborate basically everything that this is, we call this the butcher's block. You know, uh, okay. everything that, you I'm know, didn't, you. that had to be cut from uh, the main sure. course. Yep. Uh, we're going to kind of divulge in, in this. We're showing you how the sausage is made. All the leftovers. It's going not really sure if we're the sausage, how <laughs> we're going to show how the sausage is made as much as we're just going to sh- share some of the sausage. Say that 10 times fast. Share some of the sausage. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> It's a good call. Though. So our story, we should probably say what the story was. I was about yes. to dive into it. Yeah. Montana and I, as Massachusetts legalized adult use marijuana in 2016. Yep, November of 2016. And the wheels are turning. They're, it's getting closer and closer to retail stores opening yeah. and, and things of that matter. And New Bedford specifically, the mayor and city council agreed to a moratorium uh, it to it, the latest September, end of September, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And a couple of the people we spoke to referred to this time in marijuana as an entrepreneur's dream. Yep. So that's basically the story that we told. And it'll be, uh, as you read in the Sunday edition of the standard times, it broke down three avenues, yeah. journeys, pathways of, Adult use marijuana, and one specifically was Basque uh, in Fairhaven. And Basque has been known; they yeah. currently sell medicinal marijuana. Yep, they were the first uh, medical dispensary to open in the South Coast. One of the first in Massachusetts, um, but they are tentatively uh, based around toxin. Fairhaven Town Hall and things Basque has alluded to uh, looking to venture into adult use once the moratorium in Fairhaven ends in December of this year. And they qualified for the RMD priority license. So there are three licenses. The Well, actually two. Two that we focused on. Two that we focused on. And then there's a third aspect of the story as I kind of uh, get bogged down here. Mm -hmm. The other aspect that we focus on the other priority license yep. is the economic empowerment which is really quite interesting yeah in order to qualify for an economic priority license you need to qual you need to basically demonstrate three of the following six criteria the majority of her ownership uh must have lived in a disproportionate area of impact for five of the last 10 years a disproportionate area of impact is just as, as simple as an area that has been disproportionately affected in terms of arrests by the prohibition of marijuana. So live in New Bedford or a disproportionate area for five to 10 years, the majority of the ownership uh, held one or more positions uh, previously where the primary population served were disproportionately impacted. Uh, And it goes on from there. Uh, At least 51% of the current employees reside in the area of disproportionate impact and will increase to 75% by the first day of business. At least 51% of the employees are subcontractors have drug-related quarry offenses. Uh, A majority of the ownership is made up of individuals from black, African-American, Hispanic, or Latin descent. 
or owners can demonstrate significant past experience in business practices that promote economic empowerment in areas of disproportionate impact. So those are the six areas, and you need to qualify uh, on half of those. And we spoke to Treebeard, uh, a mm-hmm. organization out of New Bedford that qualified for six of those. And it was really interesting. No, they talking, qualified for three, excuse, four. 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 Yeah. <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, so they qualified a four of the six. Uh, and then finally, we spoke to Homegrown Academy out in Carver, mm-hmm. who basically, as I like to describe it, orbits the marijuana industry, doesn't grow it, doesn't sell it, doesn't do anything like that. However, they are purely educational. They want to help people yeah. learn how to grow their own. They'll even design, I believe. Yeah, they'll go in and design. They they operate sort of in the adjacent spaces to the proper marijuana industry that is selling cannabis and cannabis products, um, which we found interesting because we you can sort of project out to see that type of market, whereas it's a little less startup money needed to operate in an adjacent space as compared to selling or opening a dispensary. So it makes a lot of sense to see that market as a place for boom as it moves forward, I think. So those are the three aspects that we kind of looked at. And whether it was in the story, not in the story, on the chopping block, for you, Montana, what what did you find most interesting regarding their, our reporting, our writing, and talking to these people? Mm-hmm. What aspect, either whether it was confirmed what you already believed or something that you learned, what, what did you kind of take away from, from our reporting? I, I think... One thing I was so interested, I had been, so I had personally been reporting this story since late 2017. I want to say so. I, I'd been to a lot of. It's true. In a lot of interviews, you were uh, a lot more um, in the know, so to speak. I felt like I was asking a lot of dumb questions because you were so advanced. And well, but and that that's because Fairhaven had kind of, the town I cover mm-hmm. more specifically, Fairhaven had already sort of gone through a lot of these processes, whereas New Bedford was just sort of dealing with sure. it. Basque had been open. They were intended to be open since around Thanksgiving, but they ended up opening, I believe, in January, maybe early February. Um, but at so many of these meetings, you would just see entrepreneur after entrepreneur after entrepreneur pop up and say, look, this is the model we're looking to do. How does this legislation impact us specifically? And what struck me about that was people were ready for this. Mm-hmm. And through our reporting and through talking with the th- the three groups that we did um, for the story, it just echoed that even further that people – this is an industry that people specifically entrepreneurs who hope to occupy the space of the industry have been planning on for years. This isn't something they've been waiting around hoping has happened. They've been doing this and business planning out. And I think you're going to see more so than like a lot of it, it's, I don't think you're going to have to go through the issues that you see in some place like tech with businesses that are unable to scale and things like that because I think this has been so planned out that they're going to just be like, yep, we got this. Like, Just give us the okay and we're going to take this as far as we want to. I wonder how profitable, not necessarily profitable, profitable mm-hmm. that's not the right word, but what kind of revenue independent Individuals will be able to profit in this because as we talked mm. to a, a bunch of people, they said it's really made to the craft market, the craft yeah. strain market, kind of like the craft brew scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And when we spoke to someone like uh, Timot Bass, yep. he seemed to be at a different level than sure. uh, Treebeard in a homegrown academy. And rightfully so. He was you know, in it much longer and yeah. uh, CEO of American. But to me, so I think that, you know, the, he's hitting the ground running where we, when you spoke to the people at Treebeard and Homegrown, mm-hmm. it was a very much different vibe for me, which was really interesting in the sense that yeah. they were just basically kind of following a passion that they had. Their, their passion is cannabis. Mm-hmm. And they really uh, enjoy the benefits that it can bring. Uh, uh, Jeff uh, Pepe from Treebeard. Treebeard said, you know, the, the biggest thing that he loves is just going and talking to people and when they use cannabis and their ailment is cured, it's that rush that he feels of, right. hey, I helped somebody and maybe they wouldn't have already been helped. So when you spoke with Homegrown and Treebeard, a lot of it was just that I just want to help some people. Mm-hmm. I, homegrown literally said to us, we're not losing money. You know, we're... So that, right. that that's we're, our goal. Don't lose money, so we can pay the bills and and have some money on the side. We're not here to try to be millionaires. In fact, homegrown really was impressive. Uh, just when they're saying, we understand. You know, sometimes we'll we'll just provide free counseling because if it's a yeah. terminally ill patient, and hey, that's that is extremely nice. You know, I, yeah. I could. No one would say, hey, you know what? You shouldn't be charging because you have to. It's a business. Yeah, right. it's a business. But so that was the interesting thing to me was these people that were in it for the most part, or at least for a, a majority of it, trying to help people. Yeah, and I think, too, that's... I would be surprised to see people in these towns once they engage with the community members who are deciding to enter into this business space. I would, I'd would i be surprised if they weren't disarmed by some of these, like, so the, the niceties and just the... Gen- yeah. These aren't people who are coming in to try to form this massive business that's going to... It's like, I, I think, um, have you seen the documentary Wild Wild Country on Netflix? I have not. About the, uh, oh man, I'm th- he goes by like too many names, but uh, Osho. The, if you're familiar with the documentary, maybe you'll understand, but this uh, religious cult, if you will, is how it was pitched in the documentary, um, came into this town in Oregon and sort of took over, right? And I think a lot of people have this really big scale idea of marijuana is going to come in and it's going to completely infiltrate every area of the town. My kids are going to be overexposed. Mm-hmm. It's going to go into schools, all of this stuff. And I think once you interact with the people in the industry, not only do they understand that there's a microscope on them and they really have to act within the guidelines that have been set up by the state to maintain the industry as it is, they're just not really willing to play the game of this. This isn't something that's going to come in and take over. They understand their place in the community. They're here to help and they're willing to do so with the community members. And I think from at least the people we spoke with, that's the overwhelming feel that you get is they're here to provide a service that's needed rather than something that's extra. I do wonder what, you know, and I, and I asked someone, I asked, uh, Jeff, this mm-hmm. in in the in the world we live in now, where there we talk, we always goes back to social media. But, it always does, yeah. Uh, the the megaphone where everyone has a megaphone and people are talking about flat Earth and sure uh, denying climate change. This is a this is equal to flat Earth in in terms of 
for everyone that is eligible to smoke or use cannabis, yep. they have been told their entire lives that marijuana is well, yeah, it's awful. A, what and, like it's a class A substance? Yeah, is, and I think that's it's, the right terminology. For I, that, I right? do. I, I think it's it's not going to be as easy as just outreach. Uh, I think that people will listen and they'll be, oh, that's interesting, but they're, they're, the stigma is much more difficult to to break, uh, and and I and I can kind of understand that to an extent. Uh, the person I think of is Deborah Coelho from the uh, the city council, mm. and she said to me, she's all for medicinal marijuana. She thinks it's a great thing. She just does not believe recreational is uh, is needed. Is 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 useful. Okay. Uh, and I, I think you know, uh, I, a lot of people probably hold that that aspect to it of it's it's still a drug, yeah. Uh, and you know what what purposes does it bring in? And that's where Jeff from Cherry Beer would say there is he he argues there is no medicinal, there is no recreational. It's all kind of medicinal. It's all right. beneficial. Well, and I, to to speak to your point. Um, it is. I, I just looked this up because I wanted to make sure I got the correct uh, verbiage. But so marijuana is a Schedule One or Class One drug in America, which is less. So that's based on crime, right? So if you're arrested for marijuana, that would be a more serious crime than if you were less arrested for fentanyl or oxycodone. And when you when you look at the opiate crisis that's going on specifically in new england but throughout the country realistically um that's something that's sort of alarming to me as just an observer because it 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 just sort of they, they make specific note here that despite the fact that it's legal in some states it's still a class one drug and then you get into what I find interesting about this whole story is the um, economic empowerment part of this, where it really focuses on areas that have been hit hardest by its drug arrest, mm-hmm. right, or incarceration mm-hmm. for uh, marijuana, which I find really interesting that states are now trying to find ways to not necessarily, well, I hope they're not trying to rewrite the history books, right? I hope they're actually trying to benefit these communities who have been harshly impacted by um, the policing of it, but yeah, I, I, I think yeah, that'll be I, when I, it plays out. History will, it'll definitely, you know, be interesting to go back and read how the next couple of years plays out because I think it's a nice gesture. I just don't know how it works out. I, it, yeah. I, it, it's, I think uh, I saw Cory Booker on Twitter. Uh, he tweeted out something, the senator from New Jersey, uh, it's time to expunge. You know, it's it's one thing, to, right? And you know, I believe is Oakland doing that. There's a. Let me look this up as you continue. I think that that would on. be a very, a much better way of kind of dealing with that rather than say, hey, well, let's get into the the marijuana industry if you have you know marijuana related arrests on your record, right. and even then it might be a little too late. Where, I, and I, I'm not knowledgeable in terms of the the crimes related to you know a marijuana arrest previously Mm -hmm. but if someone spent you know any time in jail and especially if it was years that it's that pushes your life back a certain extent where yeah you know it's as it's been widely reported it's difficult to get a job you know out of uh out of prison and such so in, in sense of being like oh well you know we'll give you a priority uh 
license and then we'll, you know, help guide you along the way to the, in the same field that we arrested you for. It, it's, it is, it's weird. It's different. I wonder how it plays out. I don't yeah. know how it will. And so it is, uh, I just, I just found this article from fastcompany.com. I've never heard of them, but hopefully it's <laughs> So now we're going to read about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, so in San Francisco, you can get your old marijuana conviction cleared. So it does seem that there are steps being taken to make sure people aren't kind of left in the dust as the legal marijuana industry takes hold. Because it's a billion dollar industry at this point, right? Yeah. So it is strange to see people, and maybe we can talk about this, but it is strange to see people profiting off something that has put a lot of people behind bars for a long amount of time. Well, and the weird part about that too is I think you said, and and again, we, we aren't, we didn't write specifically about this, but right. I think you said you can get your uh, your rec- your record expunged, but in San Francisco, it right? Looks like, yeah. But it seems why wouldn't they just do it? You know why? Why exactly. should I have to right. go and take part of my day? Because you know it's not going to be easy. You're not just going to like go online. Oh, and, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. going to be hours and weeks and plenty of documents. Like they screwed up, so right. Yeah, it just yeah. So I think that's type of the thing where. It's nice gestures, but it's good. I will be interested to see how it actually, yeah. in reality, it, it plays out and works. You always run the risk of it becoming... So, like, in the instance of Treebeard, right? They don't qualify for the um, minor. It, it's black or Latino ownership, yes. and then also previous incarceration. Mm-hmm. So they don't qualify for that. And I, I think the the... Not necessarily in the case of Treebeard, but the thing to look for to look f- to in the future is to see how many businesses that are given licenses do qualify for that, right? Because there's a difference between it being something that you can put down and that is an option in quotes, but is or is it going to be something that they actually look for in these businesses as like if they're given a fair shake, right? I, I'm I'm just curious. I don't know. You always kind of run the risk when these are thrown in as caveats, but there's enough other criteria that is a lot easier to attain that it's just a, a, like a revisionist step. And we had to actively search. We didn't know this was a thing, you know. You right. Had to, uh, and so I, I do wonder how many people knew that that was a possibility. Right. Where we had to really dive into the the. The weed, so to right. speak, the right part of the pun, but it, yeah, so it, it was a nice gesture. But I really would have loved to see the CCC have more outreach. And maybe they did. Again, we didn't report on that aspect mm-hmm. to it. We just went to the local business owners. But it doesn't seem like it, there was a lot of publicity that hey, you know, if you're interested in, in that aspect, yeah. an adult use ownership. license ownership, you know, this is a prospering industry. It should bring you know a lot of money to the state, and you can be a part of that. And mm-hmm. here are things we're looking for. I didn't, I didn't see that. Now I wasn't necessarily looking, but I don't, I didn't find it until I was really, really looking. Right, and it does. I, I will say the CCC did a good job of getting out to the people, so they had forums that people could go to. But those forums, one odd part I found about them was it was just for public input, right? So. You had two representatives from the CCC sitting at the front of the room taking notes, and the day was for you to speak. The CCC did not engage any of the comments. You just got up, got your two minutes, and then it was on to the next person, which if you're using that to build 
your legislation and sure that that's beneficial hearing what the people have to say but um yeah it would have been nice to hear i i would have i guess i will say um i would still like to sort of speak with them because i think that's an i think crafting the legislation is an interesting part of this story as well like what went into crafting it who mm-hmm. whose word did they take were businesses involved were former marijuana uh were were people who were formerly arrested for marijuana and this affected their lives taken into consideration? How are we dealing with crime moving forward? These are some questions that I think um, could lend themselves to further reporting for us down the road. There's And there's a lot of uh, stories that can be, you know, yeah. I was kind of I was kind of thinking to myself yesterday, like, the, well, we, we talked about this. It's sort of, you could probably in Massachusetts right now, I don't think any paper would be doing a disservice to themselves to have like a marijuana beat writer or someone who focuses on marijuana. I think right. it's that active right now and will be for the next couple of years at least. Since you kind of brought it up, I think the story that I, I would like to chase or follow is some of those people that uh, Jeff specifically brought up from Treebeard who he's helped and how it has oh, yeah. impacted yeah. And, and, and helped their lives. Uh, I think that would really be interesting because I think it's one to hear it from these people who and I and we hear it a lot from the marijuana industry, the people right. running these businesses, but I'd really love to talk to some of the people who have taken some cannabis, uh, whether it's uh you know, and I, I think this was something that was really interesting to me, uh, as a person who didn't really know much about it. All I thought of was smoking. Like whether right. it was medicinal or not, just you roll it up and you smoke it and sure. that's but I didn't know about, you know, the oils, the vapors, the yeah. uh yeah, yeah. the, the waxes there's a whole bunch of you know yeah layers to it but anyways the people who have used some of these uh scenarios and have really benefited from the effects uh that it has on whatever they're they're dealing with i think that's something that's really interesting yeah and i think moving for that so we keep sort of piggybacking off of each other's thoughts here but the progression of that as it goes for like uh, he mentioned the Harvard studies and uh, what was the um, the woman's name who was doing some of these studies in Maine? Do you remember the name of the business? Oh, at least? Do you I, know I who don't I'm talking know. about. Yeah, but I know. I yeah. can't. Remember, sorry for forgetting uh, the name of your company. We'll we'll try to find it before the end of this pod and give you a shout out. But um, it's interesting to see these people sort of. It really is like innovating and trying to find the perfect combination to affect. That he mentioned breast cancer or different kinds of cancer. So you don't have to worry about, well, this works for this, but like, we'll see if it mm-hmm. works for this. It's becoming a more consistent thing. And I find that not to bring up a totally different topic here, but I find that interesting about the Freetown facility and talking with Tim from Basque about what that could do. And it, the notion of it, right, is to provide enough grow space for cultivators and, um, dispensaries in their own right who purchase from these people to grow out a consistent crop so people mm, can that was yeah and and that's something that i found interesting because at this point in the industry there isn't enough infrastructure or enough um product realistically to where if you deal with arthritis for example you go into a dispensary you get this strain or oil or what have you that works really well for your arthritis but then you go in the next time and they may not have that strain Mm -hmm. because they didn't have the infrastructure to do the exact same thing 
And that was something he, he feels pretty strongly about. Whereas when they can find that consistency of product, that's when the industry he believes will reach like a different level where it's something that's more consistent. People can rely on it a bit more. Not that they don't rely on it now, but it's something you can. Right. He said, yeah, planting to, you know, planting seeds to having a fully stocked, you know, shelves, so to speak, right. would be, you know, it could be a couple of years. Right. Which I thought was fascinating because with the moratorium, it, the fastest they could even start yeah. is, is September or the, I guess the, the latest they would start is September. Uh, but it, it takes some time. So they're in their business of basically being a liaison between patients and doctors mm-hmm. and, and marijuana, uh, RMDs, uh, I forgot where I was going with this that. This is Treebeard specifically, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. This is Treebeard specifically uh, in in being that. So that's what they're doing now. But until they can fully stock their shelves, that's what I was going with. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of you know advising some people that, okay, they get their prescription, then maybe Bask is your best option. Yeah, they'll so, send them to wherever they have. Yeah. Uh, they've said, I'm blanking now on where they're about. Plymouth, I think, has a dispensary open, a couple more. Um, but yeah, it, it is. It's just... It really is, even in our reporting in the industry, it's so new right now that it's there's a lot more to uncover about the business practices, about um, where this will go in the future, about crime-related things, about a lot of stuff we've already talked about. So I, I do really – I kind of got excited after we filed the story. It was like, man, this is something like we can really follow and and gr- it's still the ground up in Massachusetts. It's it's kind of old news in Colorado and Washington and California, but in terms of Massachusetts, it's brand new. Yeah, it's just it's a it's an interesting story just because it's the the weirdness of it. it you know, it doesn't yeah. like I'm just trying to think of another scenario and I I don't like cell phones evolved, you know, it was like it's not something that just pops up and right. It's here, but it's always been there too. So it's, it's yeah. I, it's I, really it, it's bizarre. It's so to me, it's difficult in a sense to compare to prohibition because I can't remember off the top of my head how long that law was in place. But I'm not correct. I'm not mistaken in saying that people were alive before prohibition and alive after prohibition. Yeah. Right. So it's no one's been alive when marijuana was legal. So that unless you now given some people have posts, but we've never seen it as a legal substance nationwide before. Right. And as more and more states continue to roll it out, it's interesting to see how people are reacting to it after it becomes something that isn't as taboo. Marijuana, uh, prohibition, I believe began in, uh, 1911. Okay. So maybe there's like one person. There's a few people. yeah. Yeah. That may be, Oh, that would be interesting. I wonder, but I, I don't think they wouldn't be. I mean, they would have been like a year or two, right? Old, so right? yeah, that you're 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 probably right in terms of knowing, knowing yeah, when yeah, that would have been interesting to speak with somebody regarding. Uh, there's got to be old stories. About. They'd probably have to be. So say they were like twelve ish, thirteen. Yeah. Uh, that would mean. I mean, there's no way they would. Yeah, yeah. There's no way. Like 120. So that yeah, they would have to be born in like 1900. Yeah. 118. No way. 
It would be interesting, though. And if you know anyone who was born in 1900, point up our direction. As always, Mike's DMs are wide open. The oldest living person in the world, according to Google. No way, it's American. Uh, she's 117 years old. She was born in 1899. November 29th, 1899. American? Emma, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to like find where. Let's 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 get to the bottom of this. I'm curious. She's from. Uh, nope. Never mind. Uh, yeah, Japan. It looks like Japan. Okay. If you know anyone, there maybe- is someone. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. Doricel, D O R R I S I L E. Dervis. She's uh, an American. 116 years old. 14, 141 days. Good God. Born on Christmas, 1901. Wow. Hmm. Where she? Does it say where she lives? Just as United States. I'd be interested in tracking her down and asking her a question. There are actually. Um, wow. There are. 50 people who are 112 years or older in the, in the world. Wow. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven of them, one, one fifth are from the United States. Whoa. Boy, was I wrong. And out of that 50, now we're going to vote. Out of those 50, <laughs> you know how many are men? None. One, maybe like 50? There's 50 people that are at least 112 years old on the Four. earth. Four. If we were playing Price of Right rules, you'd lose. It's three. <laughs> bum, 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 down here. Man, that's tough. What if I would have guessed it? People would have just been like, he was looking at the computer. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, that was an interesting way to end it. Yeah, bit of a sidebar. But yeah, so... Um, Check our story out. Comes out Sunday in the paper. What? When will it be online? Saturday night. Saturday night. The article will be online. Um, but yeah, it, it was a fun test in the waters of co-writing a story as well, Mike. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a good time. Sunday stories can be stressful. This one wasn't wasn't stressful at all. It was. It was. It's great working with you. Great doing business with you. I hope, As always. I hope you'll have me back. I hope you'll have me back, Mike. And to all of you guys, we hope you'll have us back. This has been The Bubble once again. <laughs>